Well, good morning, everybody. How are you all doing? Uh, thank you so much for tuning in today. This is Gesundheit with Jacobus. We're on every Sunday morning from 7 to 10 Mountain Standard Time, and uh, we are talking about health, healing, and healthy lifestyles, be it spiritual, mental, emotional, or physical. It'll all come to the surface at some point, somehow. Uh, we... Uh, We'll talk with the experts. We give them a chance to uh, chat about something they're passionate about, or we let them talk about their own field of study. As always, I would like to remind you that the field of health is a tricky one, and uh, um, that often it is being misinterpreted, misunderstood. But at the same time, we encourage you that when we are bringing up certain topics or quotes, that you do your own research if you if it tickles your interest and if you feel this might be something for yourself or for your loved ones. So we don't want to claim anything. We just want to share information, education, and entertainment. And with my guest today, that should not be a problem. The entertaining part is always uh, top of the list. <laughs> so uh, I'm here with Dr. Dan Carter and uh, with Chuck Martel, my uh, faithful sidekick. And we are here to talk about... Uh, about natural alternatives to prescription drugs. And obviously, that is a topic that could cause some, uh, some discussion and could cause, bring some uh, questions about. So we just suggest take the information, share it with a physician of your choice, look up on the internet, do some reading, and, and just make your own healthy choices. So there is a lot of stuff that happened this week, and uh, it's always fun to talk about it, but we want to make sure we get Dr. Dan on over here so that he can do what he needs to do, and uh, that is always sharing a lot of information. It's always impressive afterwards. I always hear people say, my gosh, Dr. Carter, it's always great to hear him because he is so educated and has so much information for us that helps for, helps us. So it's nice to have him with us. He is a naturopathic physician uh, who manages his own clinic. It's called Alpine Physicians Health Center, and it's located at 613 West Lamy Street in Bozeman. Um, Dr. Dan is, first of all, an educator. He has taught at naturopathic school for many years and still is going out of town often to teach seminars to other professionals. His treatments include general health care, acute and chronic infections, cardiovascular disease, gastrointestinal disorders, problems caused by toxins, autoimmune diseases, sports injuries, nutrition, overall health. Uh, Dr. Dan is uh, very familiar with uh, chelation therapy, how to help the body get rid of certain toxins, especially heavy metals. And um, his information is, is all across the board when it comes down to health, healing, and healthy lifestyles. And it's, uh, it's nice to have him with us in the studio. Dr. Dan, as always, it's a pleasure to have you in the studio with us. It's always a pleasure to be here, Jacobus. It's always exciting to talk about these subjects that can help so many people. Yes, and, and, and I know that in the past you already have. Uh, I know I'm getting the feedback. I know that uh, people have come to you and said it was just what they needed to hear. Uh, all of a sudden, it's it's a switch that goes on. I think that is what we're trying to do. Um, we're so bombarded with information in the media about what is the right way or what is the only solution. And I know you're the kind of person who says it's... Uh, uh, I'm not. You're not denying that it is a solution, but to say it's the only solution, that's just not the case. There are different ways of looking at a disease, and I know that you, as a naturopathic physician, are looking at the body as a whole, and therefore you don't just work with symptoms. Even though today we will be talking about certain symptoms, 
and certain disorders that are happening in the body, but you always look at what, how do you look at the body as a whole and how do you approach it that way? Is that fair to, fair to say? That's very fair to say. If you have a body that isn't working as it should, there's either something blocking the process, such as a uh, environmental toxin, or there's the absence of a uh, nutrient such as calcium or vitamin A. Yeah. Or there's a uh, perhaps an interference by a prescription drug. Right. And that's what we're here to talk about is how to choose mm -hmm. a good alternative that'll work as well as your prescription right. drug. Right. And and in the past we have talked about environmental toxins. Sometimes people live in a tough environment where they get so bombarded by certain outside sources or forces so to say that it is very hard for them to hold their balance and these people have to take a specific interest in making sure at least their body is as strong as possible so that can withstand some of the damage that is being done by these outside sources right yeah. <clears throat> one thing we want to make sure that people understand about drugs is that you don't just quit taking them when they have been prescribed for a condition that you do have because you Definitely want to select a nutrient that can do the same thing that the drug is doing for you. Yeah. Because you cannot let symptoms like hypertension go, for instance. Right. Uh, hypertension uh, over time results in heart failure, and so you cannot let things like that go. Yes. Other things like diabetes, high blood sugar cannot be allowed to right. be high because it uh, results in... Uh, a lot of dehydration to the body, uh, end organ damage, uh, high blood sugar damages uh, the heart and blood vessels, mm -hmm. uh, the eye. Yeah. And so that blood sugar has to be kept under control, but there's other ways than drugs to do it. And usually when you choose a non-drug route, you don't have side effects. You just have effects. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But it's important to do this with uh, due consideration and knowledge so that you don't get into trouble. I, I find out and I, I really want to, we're going to hit the topics. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, osteoporosis today. We want to talk about asthma and bronchodilators. It's kind of part three of a series on natural alternatives to over-the-counter and prescription drugs. Um, you may you state very clearly you don't just go cold turkey on a lot of these uh, issues now this week there was an article in the newspaper on the lifestyle about a lady who went cold turkey after 30 years being on prescription drugs and she decided to use an, another product for her joints and she's been very successful with that she's been very happy with it and it's worked for her um, there are certain medications that you as a physician have seen that yes you could go cold turkey maybe something like this, and replace it with something else. But as you state very clearly, there are other disorders in the body, like dealing with the heart and diabetes, sugar balances, um, that you just don't stop without uh, talking to a, a physician first. Right. Mm. That's absolutely right. <clears throat> One of these is uh, osteoporosis. Yeah. Um, it wouldn't really make a big difference if you just went cold turkey off an osteoporosis drug because it's okay. uh, it's a long-term thing. Yes. Uh, we want to uh, preserve what bone mass we have. So how does the uh, how do the osteoporosis drugs work? Well, there's a, the main class is called biphosphonate drugs. 
Well, what, actually, what, what is osteoporosis exactly and who is affected by it? Well, osteoporosis is the loss of bone mass, and it results because of uh, nutritional deficiencies or the intake of things we don't need in excess, and it also results from lack of exercise. Huh. All of those affect it. And, and is it so that it affects women more than men? Because that's what I hear, that women, when they have children, they breastfeed, it uh, has an effect on their bones. Does it affect women more than men? Well, it affects women more than men traditionally. Uh, estrogen seems to protect women from osteoporosis, and then after menopause, estrogen levels drop, and osteoporosis becomes more common. Uh-huh. But... So you would say, well, yeah, it's usually a d disease of old people and usually older women, but uh -huh. that isn't always the case because with the great uh, intake of soft drinks, we're seeing a lot of osteoporosis in teenage girls. For some reason, it affects girls more than boys. I don't know whether they drink more soft drinks or what, but... Uh -huh. uh, Calcium and phosphorus have a, a specific balance in the body, and soft drinks contain phosphoric acid as one of their ingredients. And so they cause the person to excrete calcium. And so they've had 15-, 16-year-old girls come in and do bone density tests on them and find that they're osteoporotic at that age. Wow. And wow. so that's uh, just one other reason why soft drinks are so bad and they should be avoided. Wow. I mean, that means that by the time they're 32, they could be a huge deterioration 16 years later. Yeah, if they don't catch it, they're gonna, they will be prone to uh, bone fractures, uh, compression, loss of height, yeah. and symptoms like that. I, I, and that is really an interesting point. I've, I talk to people regularly and say, you know, they say, well, I haven't been feeling well lately. And then you ask them for their age and you say, so how did you feel 10, 15 years ago? And then they say, this is how I felt. You know, they, what they remember, it was, they were in good spirits and this and that. And they said, so where do you think you're going to be in 15 years from now? If this happened with this kind of an acceleration in the last 15 years... If you tack on another 15 years to where you are today, how do you think you're going to feel? Is well, that a fair assumption? Fair, fair well, question? Fair assumption. You would think that if they don't change something, the degeneration is going to continue the same rate. Yeah, exactly. And so they'll feel that much worse. And really, there is no reason for that. We can maintain and in many cases improve our health over time by mainly eating a good diet. Yeah and making sure we avoid as many environmental toxins as we can. Right. So if you look at a young girl like 16, or if you look at a woman who is 50, 55, obviously then the estrogen levels are dropping dramatically most of the time. Yes. So the chances are that by the time they're 70, there, is a, there could be a huge difference in the bone mass, and it almost sounds like most women will be osteoporotic. Absolutely. But you have to do two things. You need to uh, provide the building blocks for new bone mm -hmm. and the cofactors needed to build that bone. Right. And you need to place some stress on the bone because that's how it retains its strength. So weight-bearing exercise is still important. Right, right. 
But the way uh, the drugs work is they inhibit the resorption of bone by limiting uh, hydroxyapatite dissolution. So what does that mean? <laughs> Hydroxyapatite is a form of calcium in the bones. Yes. It's a mixture of uh, calcium and phosphorus, and there's also a lot of protein in there to help add strength. Uh-huh. But it also limits uh, osteoclast activity. Mm-hmm. So what is an osteoclast? Well, our bones are remodeled by two wonderful cells, and they they can actually move around the surface of the bone. And one is an osteoblast, and that cell, it's a very large multinucleated cell, that uh, can actually lay down new bone in layers. I see. It's sort of like uh, one of these big paving machines you see on the highways. Yes. That lays down asphalt. Well, it lays down a little uh, layer of bone Uh as it moves around. And when the bone needs to be remodeled, like after a fracture, then the osteoblast will lay down bone, and you'll have a big lump on the bone when it heals. But then these osteoclasts are another cell that comes around, and they dissolve bone, and so they can remodel it. Mm-hmm. So you always have this constant laying down and remodeling of bones when they're under stress. I see. And so, uh, so that's a natural process in the body. It's a very natural process. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the drug uh, inhibits the uh, one cell from doing its job. It's always better if you don't inhibit bodily processes. I if would you say can. so. Yes. And so, what is the name of that product? That that prescription drug? Well, it, it's a class of drug okay. called biphosphonate. Mm-hmm. And so there's several different brand names under that class. I see. But there are really good natural alternatives that really that work well. And one of the ones that's been pretty much forgotten by the mainstream is progesterone. They usually use it as a uh, remedy for menopausal symptoms. And, of course, progesterone is really important in uh, women of childbearing age to help maintain pregnancy. Yeah. But uh, progesterone level can drop off with age, and that affects bone strength because progesterone is one of the hormones that really helps maintain bone mass. When we're talking about progesterone, we're talking about the real thing. There are synthetic progesterone uh, analogs known as progestins, uh-huh. and it's like uh, having a key that almost fits uh, your door lock, but it won't open the door correctly. You know, you can jiggle it until it works, but it just doesn't really fit the lock. Yes. And real progesterone fits the lock mm-hmm. and uh, turns on the bodily processes that help maintain bone health. Mm-hmm. And so that's one real good thing to for uh, people with decreased bone mass to consider. So what is, what is progestin made from? Well, progestin is uh, a synthetic progesterone, and it can be... I'm not sure exactly the synthetic process, the, the starting step. It could be a similar chemical to the progesterone it could be they could be starting with cholesterol because that's what the body does right right with uh, hormones it starts with cholesterol and forms mm-hmm. all of the hormones mm-hmm. 
But there's also a lot of nutritional cofactors that are really important for maintaining bone health. And one of those is vitamin D. Usually our, our government puts out these recommended allowances for daily intake of vitamins. Vitamin D is set at about 400 international units. And it's been found that uh, a lot of people in the United States are very low in vitamin D. We're in a temperate uh, zone. We're well north of the equator, especially in Montana. Yeah. And we don't get enough vitamin D in the winter, especially. Yes. And since the uh, dermatologists have made us all afraid of the sun, uh, we don't get as much vitamin D in the summer as we could either. Uh-huh. So... The best way to, to approach vitamin D deficiency, 800 units is, is definitely safe. 1,200 units is probably okay. Mm-hmm. The thing about vitamin D, even though it's called a vitamin, is, is it's hormone-like in its nature. Mm-hmm. And so it really affects uh, calcium absorption in the, the intestine. Huh. And it also affects the, the way the bone utilizes calcium. Yeah, yeah. So... Thinking about it as a hormone, hormones are very powerful, so you want to be careful with them. Mm-hmm. And it's also fat-soluble, mm-hmm. and so you uh, can store it in fat, and so you don't want to overdo it. Mm-hmm. So the safest way is to uh, measure the vitamin D level and see how much uh, you can safely take. All right. Well, we have a caller. Caller, thanks for joining us this morning. Uh, your name, please, and how can we help you? Kathy. Um, Hi, Kathy. Progesterone. I-, I read something extremely interesting about progesterone. And um, I know that it's true. Years ago, I read that women that are having trouble getting pregnant, they really are fertilizing eggs. But what happens is they have a progesterone drop and they lose, um, you know, the zygote or whatever. And that if you take um, a natural progesterone, especially women who take any kind of fertility drugs, if you take any kind of fertility drugs, it ensures that even though you might be um, fertilizing an egg, you're not going to be able to carry it. And if, in or, and if you want to carry uh, the baby full term, if you take, and it has to be natural progesterone, shots of natural progesterone every day up until a stage of the pregnancy where your body is producing enough that it's not needed, um, you know, to cover the fact that you'll uh, shed off the fetus. Did you know that? Yeah, I'm not an obstetrician, but uh, it is progesterone that maintains the pregnancy. Right. Usually in a healthy woman, the progesterone level will go way up. Right. And, like, there's a lot of women that are having trouble getting pregnant, and they don't really realize. And sometimes it happens without taking fertility drugs. And they don't realize that probably all they really need to do is get uh, an inexpensive bottles prescribed to them of natural progesterone and... It'd be successful. Yeah, that's its function in in pregnancy is to maintain the pregnancy. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. I yeah. thought I'd share that when I heard you talking about progesterone. Yeah, well, that's th- true. And I, 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 you know, I've looked at it in another way, and uh, they they say, Kathy, that indeed infertility can be caused by estrogen dominance. So if you want to call estrogen dominance or lack of progesterone, then indeed you're in the same ballpark. Oh yeah. So like. Yeah, that would probably create the same phenomenon. See, it might not always have to be that women have not enough progesterone, but compared to their estrogen level certain times of the month, they uh, they get such an estrogen spike during ovulation that uh, if the progesterone stays behind, 
there's just not enough uh, balance over there. And that's why taking progesterone cream indeed can be a uh, a good measure. Yeah, for like perimenopause too and that's stuff, right? right? Yeah. yeah. Anyway, thank, thank you. you. Thanks, Bye. Kathy. You thank bet. You. We'll be right back. Dr. Dan. It's really interesting that you uh, got an oil change because I think a, a very interesting thing to talk about in the future would be preventive medicine. And one of the big things that's coming up as important in preventive medicine is an oil change. So we can talk about that in the future. <laughs> so talk about different oils. <laughs> I don't know. This I, this might be a 530. I don't know. but uh, Well... Uh, Changing oil, you can actually change the uh, lipids within your body by yes. changing the ones that you take in in your diet. Yeah, so well, that's it can uh, be very important. I better get my agenda out and we'll put you back on there. So other really important cofactors for osteoporotic uh, prevention, we've talked about vitamin D, which is hormone-like. Vitamin K is another fat-soluble vitamin that's important in, in bone health. So the fat-soluble vitamins is what you're looking at at this point. Well, they're very important, but also the B vitamins. Yes. The B vitamins, of course, are catalysts for a lot of the metabolic processes in the body, and so they have to be present in almost any formulation that you use for any type of problem. Now, you, you mentioned vitamin D, and um, I remember listening to this uh, Dr. Um, Barefoot, who became very popular with his talk about coral calcium. And he says that people easily can take 5,000 units of vitamin D a day. Uh, that should not be a problem. It is, uh, we're not getting enough, like you mentioned also. Right. And so we have Dr. Barefoot saying one thing. Then there was an article in uh, the Wellbeing Journal about a year ago that talked about the importance of vitamin D and that a clinical study had shown that people over the age of 70 definitely need at least a thousand units of vitamin d a day right so you mentioned eight to twelve hundred uh -huh. um where at what age should be can people start doing that especially over here in the montana region well i i would think that you want to keep a good level of vitamin d throughout your life okay so i don't think there's any age limit on that okay but as we age we tend to spend less time outside some yeah. of us sure and, uh, of course, sunlight is one way that uh, sunlight on the skin reacts with pro-vitamin D in the skin and converts it to an active form of vitamin D. Okay. And so sunlight uh, exposure, since we don't get enough, we've got to take a supplemental form of vitamin D. Mm -hmm. uh, dairy may not be the best way to get it, especially mm -hmm. homogenized. I mean, yeah, homogenized dairy because the fats are damaged in homogenized milk. Yeah. So a vitamin D supplement would be the best way to get it. So uh, there is a, uh, at the store, uh, it is available in health food stores, there's a 2,000 units of vitamin D in a capsule of, from fish oil. Are you okay with that? Would you say, yeah, that's, uh, I'm not worried about taking 2,000 units of vitamin D on a daily basis or in one pill? I would uh, be cautious because it is hormone-like in its nature. Probably 2,000 units would be okay, but don't go if, higher than if you that. start running into calcium metabolism problems, then I would definitely get your uh, your vitamin D level measured with a lab test, a blood test. Mm -hmm. uh, vitamin D can really affect the amount of calcium in the bloodstream. And, of yes. course, calcium is uh, one of the 
minerals that uh, affects muscle contraction, including the heart. And so you don't want to get uh, super high calcium levels or low levels. Okay. You want to keep it right in the middle. Mm-hmm. And so you'd probably be all right at 2,000 units, but it may be a good idea to get a blood test and make sure that your level of uh, vitamin D and calcium stays in a optimal range. Right. Now, when you talk about, uh, you mentioned the word calcium metabolism, which is important here. Is it often so that besides the fact that there could be a problem with progesterone that you mentioned earlier, uh, deficiency in progesterone, is it also possible that uh, there could be a deficiency in the functioning of the parathyroid? Yes, uh, the parathyroid gland uh, really controls calcium metabolism through the production of uh, calcitonin mm-hmm. and uh, some other hormones and parathyroid hormone, for yeah. one. Mm-hmm. Between parathyroid hormone and calcitonin, you really uh, determines how healthy your calcium metabolism is. So parathyroid hormone levels are really important. Yes. But uh, are they, is there any be, connection or not? Is there any connection between, uh, is the parathyroid doing one thing for the calcium and uh, uh, progesterone, for example, doing another thing for the calcium? Well, par- is parathyroid a- hormones going to increase your serum calcium. Calcitonin is usually de- going to decrease it. Uh, progesterone is going to help the calcium get into the bones. Okay. okay. So these all have different actions. Okay. So they're all important to uh, to keep in consideration. They're all important. Okay. Uh, you know, a, a abnormality in parathyroid hormone or the parathyroid gland would be much less common than, say, a vitamin D deficiency. Okay. All right. Okay. Well, that's uh, that's important to know. Caller, uh, good morning to you. Thanks for joining us today. Your name and how can we help you? Kathy, one quick question. I'll yes, Kathy. Up and listen. Would muscle cramping be too much calcium or too little calcium? And I'll hang up and listen. Well, you can stay you on for like a minute if you need to. horses in your feet, you know, like where your, your feet um, cramp easily? Mm-hmm. Muscle cramping can be due to several causes. Uh, as people get older, it can be due to deficient circulation. Uh, people, when they get into their 60s and 70s, sometimes develop a condition in the the calves cramp a lot and that is due to circulatory deficiency Uh, usually when muscles uh, fasciculate you get little twitches that's usually calcium Mm. Uh, frank cramping is usually due more to magnesium yeah like a charlie horse like a charlie horse is usually magnesium more than calcium. Deficiency. 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 So twitching is calcium deficiency. Yes. Cramping is magnesium deficiency. Right. Okay. So usually as a, as a rule, uh, if it cramps, give, us, give it magnesium because uh, magnesium deficiency is more common than calcium deficiency. When we're talking about bone health, we usually talk about a two-to-one calcium-to-magnesium ratio when we're taking a supplement. Is magnesium in, like, fish oil? Uh, no. Well, that, what, what, where would you get it? What's it uh, where, calcium. Uh, if you mag- want to take it If you want to take it, a calcium-magnesium supplement. Uh, there are certain uh, vegetables that are higher in magnesium than others. Uh, meats are higher in magnesium than 
and uh, and beans and, and be- beans. Beans, uh, from, mm-hmm. like lentils. Lentils, but not everybody does so well on lentils. But uh, you lentils, yes. Yeah, lentils mm-hmm. would be good. So you can do that as a, or you can just take a supplement. And most of the supplements these days, especially if you take a citrate or so, you get 200 milligrams already in one tablet or one capsule. So those are very beautiful dosages uh, to take several of those a day, depending on your uh, deficiency. So it could be that you might, uh, uh, depending on your activities and, and, and how you feel, you might have to take three to four of those a day, one with a meal and one right before you go to bed. And the only side effect could be a loose bowel. And um, if that is the case, uh, you know, then ease off one capsule. Okay. Well, thank you. You're welcome. Thanks for the call. Bye. Bye-bye. As a matter of fact, I talked to uh, my mother last night and, uh, in, in Holland, and she was talking about a family friend who's been dealing with some issues, and I had sent some bottles to Holland, and one of them was indeed magnesium, and I told the lady to make sure that she would take four a day. And uh, my mother had told her, well, uh, you know, Jacoba said that if you get a loose stool, then uh, then ease off and she said oh that would actually be great because i've been constipated and she was also very fatigued and so since she's been taking this indeed her stool has become better and her energy level has gone up which makes a lot of sense but it's nice to know that uh i think a lot of people are not aware that they're constipated and uh, that, you know, they, they just think it's normal. They've had it for so long, but they are surprised where the energy level is down. So have you experienced that, Dr. Dan, um, about uh, having more regular bowel movements can increase energy? Yeah, magnesium can uh, really help regulate the bowels for you. That's what milk, milk of magnesia is made of. Yeah. But it, that's magnesium oxide, so it's not absorbed as well. Uh-huh. I generally don't like oxides. No. Uh, citrates are, are much better. But I would totally agree with the fact that energy goes up because magnesium is a cofactor in so many enzyme reactions. Yeah. And it also helps uh, relax the smooth muscle of the blood vessels so we get better circulation. Yeah. And it will cause, uh, if you take too much, it will cause osmotic diarrhea, mm-hmm. meaning that it will draw fluid into the bowel. And so it's a, a much better way to go than uh, harsh laxatives. Yeah. Because most people are deficient in magnesium anyway, so it yes. would be a very beneficial thing to take. All right. Well, so we, uh, we've been talking about the parathyroid a little bit and vitamin D and calcium. There's some other trace minerals that are important in bone health, too, and one of those is boron. Okay. Good point. Uh, silica is also important. What and about strontium? Uh, as long as it's not radioactive, it's fine, yes. How do you know? I'm just, it say? I'm just making a joke here. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, you know, if you're downwind of a, a nuclear blast, you get strontium-90, which is uh, radioactive, but strontium is important in very small amounts, as is vanadium. Mm-hmm. And, of course, vanadium will, will help us in our next subject, was, which is diabetes. Yes. Would you like to go on to that? No, I'm not ready yet. I'm okay. still talking about osteoporosis with you. Well, let's, let's, uh, <laughs> let's talk about that some more if you'd like. Well, it's um, um, I so to to uh, to simplify it. Uh, number one, 
it is good for people to get a test done first of all to find out whether whether osteoporosis if there is any osteoporosis going on in the body yeah so a bone density scan is the best way and that is something that people should specifically clarify when they talk to a doctor and say um you know can you make sure that this is being tested also right okay so then uh so now they're being diagnosed with osteoporosis um uh, you as a naturopathic physician what would be your next step well i would want to make sure that they're on a a good supplement that covers all the nutrients needed to replace bone okay so then we're talking about vitamin d at least a thousand units a day yeah vitamin Uh, k vitamin k you mentioned vitamin k briefly uh vitamin k is uh, good for bone health but it is also good to solidify or not solidify but uh, to to uh to stop uh, easy bleeding uh is that therefore a problem for people who are on coumadin or aspirin or anything like that well it's not a problem for people on aspirin it is a problem for people on coumadin because coumadin is a vitamin k antagonist Yes. And so you would want to watch your vitamin K intake if you're on Coumadin. Yes. But also make sure you get sufficient uh, calcium and magnesium. Mm-hmm. And the trace minerals that we talked about, boron, vanadium, silica, mm-hmm. strontium. Yes. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> Non-radioactive. Non-radioactive and the B vitamins. And the B vitamins. And the specific, is it B6 that is the most important? Or B6 panathenic is, acid, B5? B6 is the most important. Okay. But you also want some B12 and folic acid. Okay. So it's interesting that you bring that up because those th- same three are also used to lower your homocysteine levels. Right. Hmm. Is there any connection here or not? just happens to be this way. It just happens to be uh, those same vitamins are used for that uh, metabolic process of breaking down homocysteine. Mm-hmm. People are looking for boron. Um, how important is it? I, I heard a doctor say once on the radio that if you take three milligrams of boron a day for a year, you would increase your bone density by 30%. Is that something you have heard for one one ten percent for every milligram you take on a daily basis? Well, over a long period of time, that would uh, make sense. Yes. Okay, so this is really an important uh, mineral. It is. And the good thing is, it's it's relatively speaking very cheap. I mean, three milligrams you get for about a hundred capsules. You get about, uh, um, I think, for about five five dollars and ninety five cents or four ninety five. It's not really expensive, and it might just be worth it for people to uh, incorporate that in their daily regimen. Right. Yeah. So now, uh, real quick, I know we're coming close to the end of the first hour. Uh, phosphorus, yes or no? Important. It's 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 mentioned often for osteoporosis. Do you say yes or no? Well, phosphorus is uh, calcium phosphate is the form of calcium in the bone. Uh, so you have to get enough phosphorus in your diet, but you don't want to get it from soft drinks because okay. there's too much there and it increases the excretion of calcium. Right. Right. That's what you mentioned. So, uh, Soft drinks are something that I would totally stay away from. There's too much sugar in the sugared kind and the diet pop, diet soft drinks, the artificial sweeteners are neurotoxins, so stay away from them too. So there's just no place for soft drinks in our lives. So it is okay for people to take phosphorus if they have a somewhat healthy lifestyle that they have and are not drinking soda pops. It is okay for those people to take, let's say, 600 milligrams a day in phosphorus yeah if you don't overdo it that's fine okay if you want to get it from fish that's probably a better way to go all right good well that uh, that helps with that 
So when we come back, folks, uh, we're going to hit the topic of uh, diabetes. Talk to you soon. I mentioned at the end of the first hour we were going to talk about uh, diabetes, and we still will do that. But Dr. Dan said I would like to talk about uh, antibiotics, especially with the uh, cold season again uh, upon us, and people already are having the sniffles, and that is not allergies alone. There are already people with flu symptoms that are flying around. Now, Dr. Dan, um, you want to jump first on the antibiotics because of uh, it is something that you're really worried about, number one. Number two, uh, because the season is upon us, and this is definitely information that people need to know. And it, uh, it, I don't want to say it ties us in with uh, diabetes, but uh, definitely something we need to talk about. I think it's really important to talk about because there are so many infections running around, not only uh, bacterial but viral. And antibiotics are many times prescribed in, inappropriately. The appropriate use of antibiotics is extremely important because if you go, let an infection go, then you can get in very serious consequences and sometimes cannot cure the infection and uh, the result is death. Yeah. And that, that's a bad way to go. Mm -hmm. uh, antibiotics appropriately prescribed are for things like bacterial pneumonia. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, you cannot let pneumonia go because uh, that's a, one of the most common causes of death in the elderly. Yes. Uh, most of our common respiratory diseases, like colds and flus, are caused by viruses, and so the use of antibiotics in those cases are inappropriate. When you get a wound infection, that is appropriate use of antibiotics. Yes. The problem with uh, hospitalization is that uh, you oftentimes get antibiotic-resistant bacteria. Oh. And so it's really important to maintain a healthy immune system. And so the natural alternatives to antibiotics is where they, that really comes to fore. I want to jump real quick uh, what you just say. Uh, you say bacterial pneumonia. We have all heard about viral pneumonia. Is there a difference in symptoms between bacterial pneumonia and viral pneumonia, if you're aware of that? Well, usually with uh, a antibiotic pneumonia, there will be slightly different symptoms. Usually there will be different lung sounds when the lungs are listened to. Oh, okay. Uh, oftentimes there will be more fluid accumulation. Mm -hmm. And so there will be uh, possibly consolidation in the lungs too. Mm -hmm. That means there, there won't be sounds within certain areas of the lung fields when the d doctor puts the stethoscope on the lung. Yeah, yeah. Uh, different areas of the back or, or chest. Uh-huh. And there will be things that are called crackles or uh, wheezes and different vibrations that you can hear yes. <laughs> within the lung fields. And it, uh, and that's often an indication if it's either bacterial or viral. Uh, more, with, one way. more with bacterial than viral, although viral can cause some of the same changes. Yes. Um, so is it, is it indeed, is it hard to diagnose? I mean, when you're dealing with people who come to you, uh, is it is it uh, is it very cut and dry? Uh, 
Well, usually if you hear different uh, sounds in the lungs, if they're uh, significant, then you'll send them for a chest X-ray. Okay. And oftentimes a chest X-ray will show up the, the signs of consolidation or changes within the lung tissue that are indi- indicative of a infection. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes uh, there will be a fever. Fever can occur, of course, with either bacterial or viral. Yes. And difficulty breathing. Okay. Uh, you can have decreased uh, oxygenation of the blood, so there will be fatigue and uh, uh, decreased energy on exertion. Yeah. Or difficulty breathing on exertion. Okay. And so those are all signs of a lung infection. Mm-hmm. And so it's really important to uh, treat those. You can't let them go. No, Exactly. But there's also ways to help prevent the infection in the first place. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so that's what we, we really want to talk about. Yes. Infection is not only important in, uh, in lung diseases, but heart, heart disease. Uh, chronic, chronic bacterial infections are turning out to be an important cause of heart disease. Mm-hmm. And also uh, arthritis and autoimmune diseases. It's, it's been found now that... Uh, Certain bacterial infections, chronic infections, can uh, cause the immune system to react, and then the uh, antibodies that produce that are produced against those bacteria can cross-react with uh, body tissues and cause autoimmune diseases. I see. And arthritis, uh-huh. uh, rheumatoid arthritis, especially, is is uh, many times caused by a chronic. Bacterial infection, yeah, yeah, that uh, results in this cross reaction and treatment with conventional drugs doesn't work. Mm-hmm. One reason they work is they uh, suppress some of the bacteria, like gold salts in in, in arthritis suppress mycoplasma, mm-hmm. and mycoplasma is one of the main chronic infections that cause rheumatoid arthritis. And so, until you address the cause, <clears throat> you're not going to get rid of the disease. Exactly. Well, I know we we got to talk about this, but we have a caller on hold. Uh, caller, good morning to you. Thanks for joining us. Your name and how can we help you? Good morning, gentlemen. Maxim calling. Hey, Maxim. You were talking about one of my favorite subjects, and that's breathing. Okay. Um, I used to be able to get a supplement called B15. Okay. Calcium pangamate mm-hmm. or pangamate. I'm not sure how it's pronounced. Uh, that's no longer available as what they call vitamin B15. I thought B15 is DMG, isn't it? Uh, I don't know. A lot of these uh, B designations are are put on products uh, when they're not really warranted because they're not not really vitamins. Well, I've got one of these, a couple of these little things left. They came in a silver package. Yeah. And it was called uh, calcium pangamate or pangamate. And it's a a little um, supplement that I used to be able to get readily available from my health food store in Albuquerque. Uh-huh. And it does something to the blood that allows it to carry more oxygen. And I noticed that it, it can actually uh, work in the reverse way, too. For example, I was jump-starting some cars in a confined area one day, and I actually almost got poisoned from the carbon monoxide because it also allows your blood to carry that better, too. Um, but I've noticed that whenever I take the B15 supplement, I have a lot more energy. Um, 
because of the amount of oxygen that my blood can carry. Yeah, it says over here, uh, dimethyly, dimethylglycine, DMG, dimethylglycine, is a derivative of glycine, the simple, the simplest of the amino acids. It acts as a building block for many important substances, including the amino acid methionine, choline, and choline is a B vitamin, a number of important hormones and neurotransmitters, and also DNA. Low levels of DMG are present in meats, seeds, and grains. It is a safe, non-toxic food substance that does not build up in the body. No deficiency symptoms are associated with the lack of DMG in the diet, but taking supplemental DMG can have a wide range of beneficial effects, including helping the body maintain high energy levels and boosting mental equity. DMG has been found to enhance the immune system, and to reduce elevated blood cholesterol and triglyceride levels. It improves oxygen utilization by the body, helps to normalize blood pressure and blood glucose levels, and improves the functioning of many important organs. It, also, it may also be useful for controlling epileptic seizures. Some people, here we go, have used DMG as a substitute for pangamic acid, a supplement that is no longer available in the United States. Why? It doesn't say but that is widely used in Russia to treat heart disease, liver disease, alcohol and drug addiction, and uh-huh. other problems. Bingo. Yeah. D- Why can't we have that? Why was that taken off the market? I don't know. It says over here, DMG is thought to increase pangamic acid levels in the body. Pangamic DMG from Food Science Laboratories is a good source of supplemental DMG. I know that it is available at the health food store where I work. Calcium pangamate? Pangamic DMG. Yeah, DMG, right. And gamic DMG. Yeah, see, that's not quite the same thing as I was getting. No. Um, and and that's, that's one of my concerns. This, this product gave me energy. It made me feel good. It helped me accomplish a lot. And you just cited uh, one of the uh, things that it could treat with alcoholism. Yeah. Why in the world is this product not available? Why was it just all of a sudden taken away? Do they want us to have liver disease and alcoholism? Is that the hidden agenda of, of whoever took this off the market? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't even know when it was taken off the market. You uh, know? Several years ago. Yeah. I've, I've, got, I've only got a few of these things left. And if I'm really fatigued or tired or if I've been smoking too many cigarettes, uh, this stuff gives me energy and it makes me feel good. And, and I can't get it anymore and it really upsets me that I can't. Have you tried the DMG? I haven't noticed any effects from it. Yes, I've tried it. Oh, okay. It doesn't have the same effect as the cal- calcium pangamate or pangamate, whatever, however they pronounce it. Pangamic that. acid. Yeah, the calcium pangamate um, works for me. Huh. And I can't get it. Yeah, I'm wondering if, uh, if for whatever reason, um, um, you know, it would be available over the counter at all, or, or, or prescription maybe. I don't know. See, another thing they took off the market that used to work for me was tryptophan. Yes. And I used to use that to help me go to sleep. Uh-huh. And I'm wondering why these things are always taken out of the market and, and we don't have access to things that make us feel good. Well, uh, tryptophan is back on the market. I'll have to get some. I, L-tryptophan, I L-tryptophan by itself, yes. It's, uh, it is available, and uh, I know that we sell it, and... Um, but you can, yes, it is absolutely available by itself again for the last uh, year and a half or so, uh, two years maybe. That's and cool. so, yeah, so uh, because the FDA, uh, the deadline passed and they didn't jump on it and 
it comes a point when it just uh, goes beyond uh, beyond that deadline. They have so many years to check it out and say why it is not good enough. And so they, that deadline came and went, and so the people put it back on the market. Well, I'd so. like to see this other product go back on the market because it really did wonders for me. Yeah. And by the way, I'll be by to pick up that bee pollen. Okay. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> You're welcome, Max. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Caller, good morning to you. Thanks for joining us. Your name and how can we help you? Yeah, this is Frank. Uh, Frank, yes. Uh, his talking about pandemic acid, they even, they even went so far as to make it illegal to uh, sell apricot seeds, and that's where it comes from. Now you can get apricot seeds in the health food stores, and you can get all the pangamic acid you want naturally from from apricot kernels. That's interesting, and we, we carry the apricot kernels, and the other week uh, a gentleman was in the store, and I said, I can't believe you guys are selling this. Yeah. And he said, it, because it was taken off the market. That's right. That's right. They took it off the market. It, it, is, it is exactly what he says, the, the previous caller. Yeah. It, it is absolutely a necessity for people with heart problems, uh, cholesterol I levels. I thought uh, cancer, cancer. Too, it? Yes. It, it, it cures cancer. It, it, it's unreal. And they took it off the market naturally. But uh, the question I have is I have a friend in Washington, and uh, she's, 70, she's 75 years old, and she's losing her vision. And, and I told her to go down and get some uh, uh, Eyebright and uh, Bilberry and uh, don't eat any pork, any fat foods, and take a glass of wine, a small glass of wine with a heavy meal. And uh, I don't know what else to tell her. Can you give me some advice as to what to tell her? As far as she's, and the doctors don't have any clue. You know, they, they just say, well, it's going here. You're losing your vision. So. Well, the things you've told her are good. And uh, I would also add some zinc and selenium because they're okay. very high in the uh, retina of the eye. Zinc and selenium. Okay. Yeah. Another reason vision uh, decreases is due to circulatory compromise. That's so. exactly what I told her. Yeah. So I mean, as we get older, it gets thicker, right? The blood doesn't. Well, the blood into. can get thicker, and the blood vessels get blocked also by sure. little atherosclerosis. Okay. What, what what more can you do there now? Well, you can uh, take niacin. Okay. And that, increases okay. blood flow. You can yes. make sure that you got B six, B twelve, and folic acid. To, to make sure her homocysteine levels aren't high, yeah. that can right. decrease circulation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, cod liver oil can uh, help increase circulation. But make- again, with cod liver oil, and that is always my worry, I, you know, and, and Frank too, I, I, I talk to people regularly and then they say, well, you know, yes, I'm taking it. Well, how much do you take? Well, one or two capsules a day. So we're so programmed that when we go to a physician that the physician will say, uh, take one of these every day. And so we're so programmed to test take a one a day instead of taking uh, more than that. But the, the doctor might give you an 80 milligram of something that is a very high dosage for that specific medication, whatever it is. And then six months later, as you come back, he'll still prescribe you one a day, but now it's maybe a 40 milligram. You know what I'm saying? Certainly. And yeah. so it seems that uh, people get in this mood that they take one or two capsules of flaxseed, one or two capsules of fish oil, uh, you know, a little bit of chewable vitamin C. And it just, they're wondering why they cannot get over the hump in their disorder and they lose faith 
in what Mother Nature actually has to offer. And I find out that if people go on a tablespoon of cod liver oil a day, especially with a high DHA, that uh, that is the same as taking nine capsules. And then all of a sudden people are shocked. They go like, nine capsules? You know, I never take that much. So we suggest and go on the three teaspoons. So I don't know what Dr. Dan has to say about it, how, how much, if you say B6, B12, folic acid, fish oil, I mean, what dosage well, are you talking about? Well, fish oil, I would take at least a tablespoon a day. At least right, a certainly. tablespoon a day. At least a tablespoon. At least a tablespoon. <laughs> That's right. When we left the house, when I lived in Minneapolis, when I was a little boy, when we left the house, I had three brothers. We all stood there in line, and a tablespoon of <laughs> a tablespoon of cod liver oil went down. And I trust me now, we were wringing wet with cold and, and ice hanging off of us by the time we got to school. And we never ever had a cold none of us yeah. ever had a cold yeah yeah <laughs> yeah that's, that's true now what else uh frank you mentioned you mentioned vision loss but are you talking about sur- oval vision or has she been more specific about uh well, dark, dark spots on the outside no, or no, tunnel she, vision? It's, it's not and it's not that macular degeneration either it's okay. not that it's, okay. it's, it's, it's just vision loss and it progressively is getting worse and mm-hmm. i said well it sounds to me like circulation, and it sounds to me like you need Eyebright and Bilberry. But uh, more important, I'm, I'm going to tell her about the zinc and uh, all the other things you mentioned. Well, another thing that's really good for circulation is... Uh, Pota- well, not potassium, but uh, what's that other one you were just... Niacin. Well, that's, a, that's a real boomer. Niacin really opens yeah. up circulation, but so does uh, capsicum, red pepper. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, uh, that's a good one. Most people yeah. would have to take capsules because it's too hot in their mouth, but that can yeah. really improve circulation. Oh, yes. Yeah, you'll get a flush with that, yeah. Yeah. Okay, and that's, that is also uh, good for uh, ulcers. It's very uh, good for ulcers and hemorrhoids. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You, you take a teaspoon of that or a small, less than a teaspoon, put it in a half a glass of water, stir it up and drink it, and I'll guarantee you, you'll not have an ulcer. When you get done, you it'll be gone. Huh. No, it's good for bleeding ulcers, actually. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. I carry it with me when I go hunting. In case of an accident, you pour it on a wound, and it stops it bleeding instantly. Excellent. Was that cayenne? That's yeah, cayenne, cayenne yeah. pepper. Cayenne yeah, pepper. yeah. Carry that's it with a... you. What it, about it? Actually, what should a... be in every every uh, every one of the little boxes you know you carry around in your car and stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, it should be in every hunter's first aid kit, not only for bleeding, but f- you know if you have an exercise much and you have a heart attack, you take a big dose of that; it'll stop the heart attack. Well, certainly, yeah. And uh, and if your feet are cold, sprinkle some in your sock and and put your shoes on. You'll have warm feet all the time you're hunting. <laughs> That's right. Oh, <laughs> good point. <laughs> now I want to ask Doctor Dan here, Frank. Uh, what about uh, horse chestnut? Would horse chestnut help uh, circulatory problems with the eyes? Well, horse chestnut is is good for the veins. Okay. It's got uh, bioflavonoids that are really good for the vein walls. Okay. Yes. Okay. So anything anything with an antioxidant. Would be good, right? That's true, also. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. So, like a, a grape. Well, you uh, do you sell? Do you sell the uh, grape? Uh, grape, grape seed, seed extract? extract. Yeah. Yes, we do. Uh huh. Yeah. Do Do you sell it with uh, with uh, with or without the uh, the uh, uh, green tea in it? Um, I would have to check because we have several kinds, so I would have to take a look at the, it. The, 
the green tea is is loaded with uh, with uh, uh, well, you caffeine, and it's it's really hard on your heart. Right. Well, the dosages so, are not that hard. Not not that many. Well, but. for people who can't handle it, you know, I mean, can't yeah. handle any kind of caffeine. You know? Yeah. Well, Frank, so, thanks for the input. We got to go. Yeah, guys. Thanks thank for the you. call. Thanks for yeah, the, all the best. It. Yeah, you bet. All the best. We'll be right back. Frank, last caller, just talked about apricot seeds. Uh, my understanding, Dr. Dan, is that apricot seeds are rich in B17. And uh, pangamic, uh, pangamic acid, I thought, was a B15 uh, product. But uh, are you aware of uh, apricot seed? Well, the B17 is Laetrile, isn't it? Yes. And Laetrile was uh, proven to work against cancer in some studies <clears throat> back east and uh mm -hmm. they actually wanted ralph moss <clears throat> who was working for them at that time he's a phd uh researcher to falsify the reports and say that the laetrile did not work and he wouldn't do it so he got fired and so he <laughs> wrote a very good book called the cancer industry as a result of that mm -hmm. uh, really interesting so yeah yeah apricots Pits seem to have a number of good substances in them. Yeah. Now, and you can eat several of those a day, mm -hmm. um, you know, four or five or so a day. And I think that uh, that will be fine. Uh, yeah. You know, and then they take it of the market. Obviously, you can go to a store and buy yourself some apricots. Right. And then uh, eat them like that. So apricot seeds is another good way to go. Um, it is available at the health food store. And so uh, if you're looking for that... Uh, Check it out. So uh, we were talking about antibiotics, and we you started mentioning uh, the uh, the bacterial pneumonia, which was one of the main reasons why antibiotics was uh, uh, was prescribed to people. But as we know, antibiotics are have been over prescribed, and we're worried about uh, getting antibiotics in other foods, specifically meats, and uh, that the body has such a buildup of antibiotics in uh, in, in in our system that it seems that we do not react to antibiotics the way we're supposed to react to antibiotics, which would be a very quick result. And so now we see that uh, the body starts to cause uh, more in different infections. Uh, we're killing off too many of the good bacteria while on an antibiotic cure, and that can result in all, all other types of disorders. Well, the problem with uh, conventional medicine giving antibiotics, uh, not that it's you know, appropriately prescribed, you have to take them because it saves your life. But they don't pay attention to replacing beneficial bacteria in the bowel. Mm -hmm. And so there's uh, a specific type of uh, colitis that can occur from that that can be life-threatening. Wow. And so replacement of bowel bacteria during the time that your antibiotic uh, treatment is going on is really important. So I just have people take probiotics, which mm -hmm. are the beneficial bacteria mm -hmm. between doses of antibiotics that they take orally. Antiviral agents are also uh, on the market uh, from pharmaceutical companies, and they inhibit viral replication. Yeah. The problem is there's a lot of uh, renal toxicity or kidney problems and central nervous system toxicity to these. So to what? To antiviral agents. Antiviral agents, okay. Yeah. Hmm. And so it's there's actually some pretty good antiviral agents in the natural world. Okay. 
and uh, the first one we'll look at is vitamin C. Would you mind if we jump first on a caller who has been on hold for a few let's, minutes? Let's go there. Let's go there. Caller, thanks for joining us uh, before we jump onto the viral issues. Uh, what's your name and how can we help you? Thanks for letting me back on for just one second. You bet, Maxim. Good there morning. Was a caller before the break that was concerned about a family member who was having problems with vision. Yes. And I can swear and affirm that one thing that will assist is vitamin B12 sublingual. The um, liquid under the tongue, B12, will immediately give you restoration of peripheral vision. Uh-huh. It's worked for me. In fact, I didn't take it for that. I took it for energy. Uh-huh. But I noticed an immediate uh, restoral of peripheral vision mm-hmm. once I took the sublingual. And, and the stuff that you take in the tablet form uh, doesn't seem to be absorbed. So um, even though all that is uh, is uh, sublingual, you feel better success with the, with the uh, with the sp- with the spray or with the drops. The spray is the best. It's very expensive. Yeah. Uh, but it works. Yes. And vision's a very important asset, and I can swear that that was one of the side benefits I got from using the spray B12. Is my sight improved immediately? I didn't even know what I was losing until mm-hmm. I took it. Um, I still don't use glasses. Mm. And I'm over 50. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I took the B12 sublingual, it immediately improved my vision. Immediately. It was like within an hour. I, I noticed things that I didn't notice before. Huh. My range of vision was immediately improved, and I wanted that other caller to consider that supplement because okay. it really worked for me. All right. Well, so thank, thank you. you. Hey, thank you very much, Maxon. Bye. Bye-bye. What we're talking about here is... Uh, um, um, you know, issues that are coming up now with the changes in temperature. And it seems like our bodies are just not ready for these changes. And it, and, and that all of a sudden people get colds and they get issues and, and all of the, they'll run to the doctor and the doctor was first thing they'll do is put you on antibiotics. And that is sometimes contraindicating. So we'll talk about that, but we have a couple of callers. Uh, caller, good morning. Your name and how can we help you, please? My, oh. name, my name is Patty. Am I the one on the air? Hello, Patty. You are How on the are air you? right now. Oh, I love your show, Jacobus. I've been listening for years. I'm oh, a first thank you, time Patty. caller. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> From walking to the bedroom to the kitchen, I missed what the caller just said about what he used as a supplement for better eyesight. He mentioned uh, an over the, uh, he mentioned vitamin B12 for immediate uh, result, and then he said uh, the liquid worked better for him under the tongue than a sublingual tablet, a tablet you put under the tongue. That wasn't his case. So um, it is something to consider. And then he had more success with a specific spray. And I do think that the company Nature's Plus makes a Nature's Plus makes a uh, a spray that I think is a 5,000 microgram of vitamin B12 sublingually. And um, I do know that we used to carry it in the store, and then uh, it just wouldn't move for a long time, and we decided to discontinue it. But it is something I can easily bring in. Um, I, Oak Street Natural Market might still have it in a spray form, so uh, that is something you might want to check first and call them. And uh, meantime, we're probably going to try to get it back in also. Thank you. Just so you know, on your show, a caller or maybe even a guest said something about juicing carrots. Yes. And I did do that for almost two years. It's a lot of work juicing carrots. The only thing is once you stop juicing, the benefits disappear. So you have to be very diligent about that. I was juicing carrots 
Huh. And I was drinking, oh, I'd say two to three glasses a week. Yeah. And my eyesight definitely improved. I didn't need my reading glasses. I'll be darned. Whereas now, being close to the 5 <laughs> Wow. Yeah, and uh, I do need reading glasses, and I find that I need them even more now. So it's kind of hard to see that happen. That or transition. just go back to juicing carrots. It, yeah, but it, it doesn't last. It's good for the short period of time, and I guess I'm just getting lazier. <laughs> I yeah, don't know. No excuses, but this sounds wonderful. And but Betty, of, have you, uh, and I want to hear what else you have to say, but have you tried taking like a beta carotene uh, complex? No, something no like I that? have not. No. So that might be another alternative. Mm-hmm. Um, and another quick question, if I have a chance, may yeah, I? Yeah, go ahead. Oh, thank you so much. Um, my son is a teenager, and he has excessive sweaty palms. And we actually took him to a homeopathic doctor that was once a guest on your show, and we spent hundreds of dollars only to have no benefit whatsoever. You talk about a homeopathic doctor or a mm-hmm. naturopathic doctor? Naturopathic, okay. sorry, naturopathic oh. doctor. Yeah, that's the difference. Oh, sorry. That's okay, okay. that's okay. Yeah, naturopathic doctor, mm-hmm. who was a guest on your show, and we um, did spend quite a bit of money, and unfortunately, it's never improved, and I was wondering if your guest had any suggestions, or if there is a cure with herbs, or if he knows what it is. Well, he's thinking. <laughs> I'm thinking. Uh, and the, my poor son, he's constantly with his palms being sweaty, and it, I guess it comes from b- being nervous as well, but it's also something that just... Now, are they sweaty and warm, or are they sweaty and cold? Sweaty, I don't know. Good question. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I have to find out about that. I don't really know. I'd say with guessing warm, that's a guess. Mm-hmm. Well, it could be one one portion of the nervous system is overactive compared to the other. It would be a sympathetic overload, I would think. Uh, is that, there a way that to happens help? when you get stressed out. Is he stressed at all? I mean, can no. you tell that he is? Uh, no, he's not. I mean, I wouldn't say anything out relaxed. of the ordinary. He's just a really great, well-rounded young man. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say anything out of the ordinary. But I read on the internet, and what the internet told me wasn't so favorable. And this doctor was trying to do magnesium and then he did these pinches with these little needles on his body and I don't know. Like a, like an acupuncture kind of thing? Yeah, something like that. Mm. And we went for several treatments. It got expensive because it wasn't covered under the insurance and unfortunately it just didn't seem to make a difference. And so then you just kind of say, well, you tried and that was the best we could do. Huh. So. Well, I would I would still ask him if he has cold if they if you know sometimes you can have sweaty palms but it, does it feel like clammy hands is that what it yes, is pretty much yes definitely and he has this all the time so when he wakes up in the morning and when he goes to bed at night uh, I don't know if it's morning and night but I know it's definitely good you know it's very active during the day mm-hmm. we could be driving and his hands are like that is there sweating anywhere else on the body no nowhere else. Huh. Yeah. So his feet are not uh, more sweaty than others. Uh, no. Huh. Mm-mm. Boy. Just those hands. <laughs> huh. So nothing you could think of off the top of your head. I just have to. Not off the top of the head, no. Okay. Something. I mean, would you do a uh, Dr. Dan? Would you uh, would this inquire like sometime of a blood test uh, that you that you try to figure out certain things? <clears throat> well, I've been thinking about possible tests to do and. Uh, Nothing is, like say, nothing's coming up right at the, this point. Before you went to the naturopathic doctor, Patty, uh, yes. did you go to a regular doctor and have any testing done? No, but when I looked up on the internet, they had quite a severe um, way of treating it, which is actually severing the glands 
that secrete water. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah, very extreme. So I think we can live with what it is. It's not life-threatening. It's not even unhealthy. It's just somewhat, you know, maybe a little embarrassing at times. There are some herbs that are uh, drying uh, to the body, and you could try those. Do you have one or two to make a mention, to recommend? Well, one would be uh, sage. Sage, okay. The other one is yarrow. What about mullen? Uh, Mullen is a demulcent. It's really good for the lungs. Yeah. It's very soothing. Oh, okay. Does he have any lung issues? Because I thought there could be a connection between the lungs and the the hands. He did. He he definitely had juvenile um, asthma, which he's outgrown, thank God. Did he mm-hmm. did did uh, did this happen after you you were working on the asthma, or did it has he had it for quite a long time? Well, it might have happened somewhat within the same period of time. Now that I'm thinking about it, it's it's a possibility. It, there's a correlation there. Mm. Hmm. Well, the adrenal glands may have something to do with it. Uh, a good tea would be uh, yarrow, sage, uh, licorice root, licorice root, and mm-hmm. mullen. Mm-hmm. Oh, great. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate so would, the recommendation. Oh, you're welcome. Yeah. Thank so you. would you would you say, Dr. Dan, a combination of those? or uh, Well, a combination rotate? of those, yes. Yes, yeah, so if you can find if you can find each and every one independently, make maybe a pot of tea with all those bags well, in it. Make a pot of tea because the licorice root will have to be boiled. And, okay. And uh, should be able to find those at the herb store. Mm-hmm. Great. And you can make up a batch so that you can drink it through the day. Yeah, and even cold or warm doesn't matter. No, you'll have to play with the amounts because uh, some of the, you know, like the sage would have a very strong taste and the licorice root would taste better. And can I ask you, how do you spell yarrow? I'm not familiar with that. Y A R R O W. Yeah. Yarrow. Okay, great. Thank you so much. I better Good let luck, you go. Betty. I know you have callers waiting. Well, thank and you. I'm so grateful I got to get through, and thanks so much for your time. Well, well thank you for listening. Jacobus, thank you for your wonderful <laughs> show. Oh, thank you, Betty. <laughs> have a wonderful have Sunday. Have a great day. You okay, as well. bye-bye. Thanks. Bye. All right. Caller number two, good morning to you, and what is your name, and how can we help you? Good morning, Jacobus. Hello, Jerry. You know, I'm doing fine. How are you doing? No, I didn't ask you yet how you were doing, but how are you doing, Jerry? I'm doing great. <laughs> <laughs> Have you been fishing lately, or is it still no, not? No, I haven't been fishing. I know. You and I still need to go out there. Yeah. I was just calling to find out what, like, uh, is Dr. Carter an MDND or just an ND? I'm an atropathic doctor. So it's an ND. Yeah, okay. I was wondering if he was an MD, too. No, my wife is on Convent. For asthma? Yes. And I was wondering what else there was other than that. She's a chronic, a chronic asthmatic, and she's on oxygen 24-7. Well, there's ways to help the lungs. Is uh, she on uh, any type of a nebulizer? No. Okay. Um, there, you know, one of the best things for, for asthma is the, the herb that was taken off the market. The ephedra, yeah, which uh, uh, which is going to come back on. By yeah. the way, they have uh, they say uh, uh, I guess you heard about that, Jerry. Correct? Yeah, but that it is going to be back on the market. If anything cures anything, then they'll take it off the market. Yeah, but you know the company Solaray has uh, fought it and said, you know, can you prove that the dosages that we are uh, putting in the bottle are actually dangerous? 
and the judge uh, had to admit that uh, based on the studies that he had seen that there was no danger to recommended dosages uh, but if you were to take an extract of ephedra or ephedrine that yes it could cause certain problems and uh, that was the part that they didn't want to have marketed anymore but regular dried and pulverized ephedra should be coming on the market pretty soon again Another good thing that works for many asthmatics is uh, vitamin B12. Yeah, well, she's on a full supplement course. You know, she takes multivitamins, up B and... Okay, occasionally uh, the form of B12 that works is injectable. Injectable. Yeah. So instead of going maybe on a multivitamin, um, you know, which is not bad to take... Not on a multivitamin. Oh, I you all separately. Oh, you're taking multivitamins. Yeah, separately. I see. I see. Yeah. Well, a lot of people don't absorb B12 and even have a hard time getting sublingual. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And you can be taught to give B12 injections, and it can really help a lot. Huh. Huh. Okay. And another thing that can help. Uh, does she have uh, any fluid accumulation in the lungs? Always. Okay. N-acetylcysteine. NAC? NAC is a uh, form of the amino acid cysteine, uh-huh. and that helps to uh, break down the mucus. It mm. liquefies it, so it's much easier to get rid of. Uh-huh. Huh. And then there's uh, expectorant herbs that can help uh, help the person cough that up. Oh, okay. <coughs> because I know that condiment's awful expensive. Yeah, yeah. And then you got to run to a doctor all the time to get renew your prescription. And then yeah. magnesium. Magnesium is an antispasmodic. And yeah. Very good for the lungs. And it's a bronchodilator. Yes. Oh. Huh. Okay. So does she have, uh, wh- what exactly does she have, uh, Jerry? What, what exactly has it been diagnosed as? Asthma. Asthma, just asthma. I mean, well, just asthma. Well, the bronchitis, they told me. Yes. That's what, uh, that's what they started with, and then it became asthma. No, it went the other way around. Oh, oh! It turned into bronchitis. That's what they said. Yes, I see. Now, golden seal, Doctor Dan. But I don't trust doctors, anyways. Yeah. Now, what about golden seal? Is golden seal not a good one for the lungs, also? Well, golden seal is a natural antibiotic. But I thought it had very positive effects on the lungs, but maybe not as needed as some of the other ones that you're mentioning. Right. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you know, the mullen is uh, another good one for the lungs. The Sage that I just mentioned is drying, as is yarrow. Oh. But uh, I've got a specific tea at my office that I could. Uh, Excuse me a minute. What? Oh, she was born with asthma. I see. Yeah. <laughs> they call it bronchitis then. Mm-hmm. Oh, I see. Yeah. I see over here, Dr. Dan and Jerry, it says people with asthma may be deficient in certain nutrients such as vitamin B6. Vitamin C, magnesium, manganese, and selenium, as well as in the enzyme glutathione peroxidase, uh, L-glutathione, which is an amino acid, but it is actually produced in the liver by N-acetylcysteine, like Dr. Dan just said. So it is, uh, I remember uh, Professor Dretz, when he was on the air, he said it's probably the best water-soluble antioxidant available to us, but we do get more out of taking N-acetylcysteine than that we would get out of a glutathione supplement because it doesn't seem to make it all the way through the digestive process. So 
uh, N-acetylcysteine again is an important one. It says also people with asthma often have lower than normal levels of hydrochloric acid, which is needed for proper digestion. Right. And I don't know if you know about that, Dr. Dan. It says Dr. Jonathan Wright, a medical doctor, a noted nutritionist, claims excellent results using a combination of gastric acid replacement therapy, usually in the form of betaine hydrochloride or HCL, and supplementation with vitamin B6, B12, and magnesium for treatment of asthma. So um, that would be another possibility. And besides that, um, you know, um, I don't know. Well, I know we have to go to a break here. But um, um, diet-wise, there are obviously certain foods that you want to be careful with, that you don't uh, take too many inflammatory uh, foods. Potatoes could be harmful. Oranges, orange juice, dairy products, uh, mucus-forming products such as... uh, uh, breads and etc. could also be an issue, Jerry. Yeah. Does uh does the doctor there give a uh, vitamin B shots? Yes, I do. You do. Uh huh. Okay. Yeah, I could teach you how to do that. It's very easy. Right. It is. Yes. Well, let's let's uh, we're gonna have to go, Jerry. Okay. Hey, thank you so much for the call and all the best to you. Okay, okay. I'll talk to you later. I appreciate okay, that. Okay. Bye. All right. Thank you, folks. We'll be right back uh, with Gesundheit with Jacobus. Stay tuned. Well, one of the problems with this time of the year is, uh, you know, the cold and flu season's coming up, and the health departments uh, recommend vaccines for susceptible populations like uh, kids and elderly. Elderly the for the flu, flu vaccines for the flu, and uh-huh. I have a problem with that because kids and the elderly are are the ones that have the biggest problems with vaccines. A lot of them are still preserved with uh, thimerosal, which is mercury. Mm-hmm. And uh, the people that really get the bad cases that are the flu are often the people that get the vaccinations because the vaccine will suppress the immune system. Yes. I would suggest instead that people get a good kit on hand in the house ready mm-hmm. to go when they start coming down with something because you can actually uh, knock it right out if you act quickly. Okay. And one of those first things that I would take would be a uh, homeopathic anti-flu remedy, such as oslococcinum. Mm-hmm. That can oftentimes uh, completely eliminate it within 15 to 20 minutes. I know that may be hard for people to, to believe, but I've experienced it many times myself. Uh-huh. The first signs may, and symptoms. The first symptom that comes up, you just take the dose of the homeopathic and one uh, tube. Yeah. It'll, it'll just knock it out. Mm. <clears throat> Another really important thing to have on hand is a uh, very good quality elderberry product. Mm-hmm. Elderberry has been researched uh, extensively in Israel, and it was found to keep viruses from attaching to cells within the host. And when a virus cannot attach, it cannot infect. And so elderberry extract... Uh, simply keeps the infection from occurring. It's also important to have an additional uh, supplement if if that uh, <laughs> elderberry uh, supplement doesn't have anything else in it that contains uh, you know sufficient vitamin C, zinc, vitamin A, uh, perhaps something like thyme extract because uh, thyme is very good for uh, bacteria and virus. Uh-huh. Olive leaf extract. Uh, there's some very Oil good... Oil of oregano. 
Yeah, oh, there's some very good uh, good supplements out there that are combination and will act to uh, really be antiviral. The uh, the presence of uh, uh, a product by the name of Moducare, Moducare, M-O-D-U. C-A-R-E, Modulcare, mm-hmm. um, those are uh, phytosterols and plant sterols. And my understanding is that those help the body to increase the presence of natural killer cells, which many people are getting disorders and are get co- disorders quicker because of a lack of enough natural killer cells to help mm-hmm. the immune system. Um, you're, you have any information on that? Well, I know the, that that product does increase increase natural killer cells, and that's uh, very good for preventing preventing uh, mm-hmm. things like cancer, especially. So, would it help in this case for uh, going into the flu season again? Uh, late September usually is when things start start things start moving, right? September, October. Yes, it is. Uh, your natural killer cells are what we call cell mediated cell-mediated immunity, and they will help uh, eliminate bacteria. Mm-hmm. But the, the key here is if you have this uh, kit on hand and some extra vitamin C and perhaps even extra vitamin A. And some zinc. Okay. And zinc. Uh, is to take it often enough. <clears throat> you know, if you just take it once, it's not going to do it. I, I, I would <laughs> suggest that you take it uh, one or the other every hour. Until your symptoms are gone, you don't want to do too much zinc, though. Is that right? Well, zinc I'd keep it over the short term to about ninety milligrams or a hundred milligrams a day. Okay. In short term, that means uh, seven ten days. Okay. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it draw drives uh, copper levels down too far. Okay. But uh, if you take this stuff often, it it works much better. Okay. And so you can uh, usually knock the colder flu right out. All right. So I would have... I'm, I'm writing all this down, folks. I hope you're doing the same thing. <laughs> I have your... I would have your cold and flu kit on hand. Otherwise, you're going to be too late if you have to go to the store and get it. Mm-hmm. Because it's really important to catch uh, all this stuff at first symptom. Yes. I see what you're saying. <clears throat> okay. So we have the oscillococcinum, which is a homeopathic remedy. And uh, especially if you have more than one person in your family, you might really look into the six dose box or which sells for about, uh, which you can buy for about 12 or 13 bucks. And uh, then you have, uh, there is even a 24 dose, no, a 12 dose and there is a three dose. So the three dose, if you're on your own, if you know that you're going to take it or uh, take the six dose, the elderberry uh, you take about a teaspoon every so often. First signs of symptoms, take a teaspoon, and you can take a teaspoon. I take a teaspoon every two hours. Every hour, two hours, yes. And and the zinc, uh, like you said, seven to ten days. Um, take about 90 to 100 milligrams a day. Um, now, Dr. Dan, zinc, there are... Well, there is zinc oxide, zinc uh, amino acid chelate, there is zinc picolinate, there is uh, uh, opti-zinc. Uh, what zinc would you recommend, people? Well, I would uh, stay away from any mineral oxide. Okay. Uh, because they cause rust within the system. Oxide is rust. Okay. So if you want to avoid rust, uh, go with the mineral chelates. All right. So the amino acid chelate in this yeah. case. And the picolinate is safe too? Yes, it is. Okay. Uh-huh. 
Mm-hmm. And then vitamin C, you're talking about at least three grams or 3,000 milligrams. Well, I'm talking about uh, three grams as a maintenance dose. Maintenance. Uh, okay. When Linus Pauling came, first came out with uh, vitamin C uh, as a cold prevention and as a general health aid, he suggested, you know, 10 to 12 grams daily for everybody. But I, I recently talked to someone that had been in contact with the Linus Pauling Institute in Oregon. And they said, well, we've revised that, and we feel like uh, one to three grams daily is a better way to go just okay. for health maintenance. When you get a cold or flu or even bacterial infection, it's best to take vitamin C to bowel tolerance. Okay. So uh, bowel tolerance mm-hmm. when you're not sick may be three to, three to ten grams a day, but they found that when people get ill, that bowel tolerance can go up to 70 grams a day. Wow, 70,000 so milligrams. Yeah, that would be 70 capsules a day Yeah, to uh, effectively fight the infection. Hmm. When uh, Pauling initially did his work, he looked at uh, animals that produce their own vitamin C, and he found that they uh, usually hover around uh, 5 grams to 10 grams a day, and then when they got sick, they could actually increase their production to 60 or 70 grams equivalent in a human. Wow. Unfortunately, humans don't have the enzyme to produce vitamin C on their own, and so we have to take it in our diet uh-huh. or in supplements. Vitamin A is another really good anti-effective. Okay. So it also needs to be in the kit? And it uh, <clears throat> can be in your kit. And uh, make sure you don't have liver disease if you're going to take a lot of vitamin A. Uh you know, it's still confusing between t- when do you take vitamin A, when do you take a beta carotene? You take vitamin A if you've got a viral infection. Okay. Uh, short-term, high-dose vitamin A is pretty darn safe. And short-term, we're talking, uh, one to, once again, 10 days to two weeks. And for these viral diseases, you can take 150,000 to 300,000 units daily. Huh. That's a lot of vitamin A. But yes. once again, short-term, it's safe to do. Yes. Okay. And it really is effective in that dose as an antiviral. Antiviral. Okay. Another good antiviral is licorice root. There's eight recent studies that show good antiviral activity. Influenza A is one of those that it uh, really knocks out. Also, West Nile virus, which we have in this area. Yes. Also, Epstein-Barr virus, which is associated with chronic, chronic fatigue. Yeah. Hepatitis virus. Mm-hmm. It's good mm-hmm. for that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. People that are taking a lot of licorice root need to watch out for uh, its aldosterone-like properties, which means it's, you're going to lose vitamin, I mean, uh, potassium. And uh, so if you take too much uh, licorice root without watching your potassium intake, you can... Uh, get high blood pressure, and start to swell up. I see. Okay. And licorice root is also good for latent viruses like herpes. So that's one of the few things that's effective against that. So how many milligrams would you suggest for that? Well, a licorice solid extract would be good. Mm-hmm. Uh, half a teaspoon a day. Okay. Tea will do it, huh? Licorice tea. Will uh, just not be enough. It's but not, if you not enough. No. So if you take like a like a take a capsule, open it up maybe, and put it in tea, in licorice tea. Well, it have to be a strong tea, yeah. 
Okay. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. Make sure you're uh, getting plenty of potassium, though, if you're going to do that. Yes. <clears throat> you mentioned or- oregano oil earlier, and I'd like to just mention a interesting fact about that. <clears throat> Most of the antibiotics uh, used in the United States are given to livestock. And uh, so we get a, a load of antibiotics whenever we eat uh, livestock that's been treated with antibiotics. And so uh, that helps contribute to uh, antibiotic resistance. They found that uh, oregano-fed herds showed a lot lower amounts of microorganisms than those even treated with antibiotics. So if uh, farmers would start using oregano for their herds, and apparently the animals like it. Yes. You know, they'd do well in a pizza parlor, but... uh, and you got your meat marinated right away. And you got your meat marinated right away. <laughs> and well, it's a much safer way to treat uh, animals than with antibiotics. All right. Well, uh, we got a lot more where that came from, folks. Um, be right back. Believe it or not, folks, the last half hour already of the program. And uh, when Dr. Dan Carter starts talking, we just uh, I'm just sitting here taking notes. And uh, it's good. So we're talking about our vaccination kit. That is good to have for uh, getting into the flu season and the winter season. But we were talking a little bit about oregano oil yes. uh, before the break and mentioning that it's good for livestock. <coughs> it actually does a better job of lowering the microorganisms in those animals than do antibiotics. Yeah. Uh, interesting thing about oregano oil, it is so effective that you need to use probiotics when you use this product is that right so even yeah. if you take the liquid drops yeah even the liquid drops or the the gels you better uh, huh. replace your beneficial bacteria with now, oregano oil yeah and and some of them are enteric coated and that's would be the better way to go mm-hmm. uh, understanding capsules um, but you can also get wild crafted oregano oil in liquid Right. That people need to take in water, and uh, mm-hmm. uh, obviously, if I understand, you don't really apply it to the skin. Uh, you would have to dilute it, but you can put it in water, and that would work. Mm-hmm. So you take probiotics with that. Oh, interesting. Yeah. The interesting thing about oregano oil is is it's effective against uh, several bacteria that are very hard to kill with antibiotics. Uh, there's a type of E. coli known as enterohemorrhagic E. coli. It's the kind that will uh, sometimes affect uh, swimming pools and uh, contaminated beef. And uh, it's best not to treat that with antibiotics, in fact, because it can worsen the case. And uh, oregano oil can can help eliminate that. It's also good for salmonella. Uh And uh, there's a type of staphylococcus known as uh, (laughs) MRSA. It's a methicillin-resistant Staph aureus, and it's very hard to control. And uh, oregano oil is even effective against that. What about uh, giardia? Have you heard about that? Well, I'll be. It is effective against many protozoa, including giardia. Many what? What did you call it? Protozoa. Protozoa. These are the little single-celled organisms that crawl around. Chuck is, doing, Chuck is shaking yes. You knew it all, uh, Chuck, didn't you? I did. <laughs> I've had it. 
It probably was a little dust in my ear. I didn't hear the word correctly. But it's that's good. Uh, interesting. So with Jodia, and, and I have recommended to people to take, um, when they had Jodia, to take um, a regular dosages like every hour of um, um, colloidal silver and then take with that large amounts of natural uh probiotics mm-hmm. in a combination for like three days intensely and then it has gone away very quickly but you say it might actually be more beneficial to go the oil of oregano <clears throat> well i'd take the oregano and the uh silver at the same time and the probiotics in between doses okay yeah all right it's also effective against another uh, bowel bacterium known as klebsiella that is sometimes hard to get rid of and it's uh, also good for candida, mm-hmm. which is a yeast. Yes. So this is, uh, you might call it a broad-spectrum natural antimicrobial. So you like you like the oil of oregano better than some of the reports you have seen on olive leaf extract? Well, it's for different things. Okay, that's uh, good to know. Olive leaf extract is probably a little better antiviral than oregano oil. Okay. So uh-huh. uh, olive leaf extract would be something you might find in the... Uh, combination antiviral for your uh, flu kit mm-hmm. rather than oregano oil. Mm-hmm. Okay. Another uh, more or less broad-spectrum natural antimicrobial is thyme. It's useful for bacteria, fungi, and uh, candida as well. Okay. And uh, we looked at uh, what studies have been done on for thyme thyme extract, and uh, this is the spice thyme, and the extract works well for otitis media, middle ear infections. Uh, if you have a burn wound, it works well for that. Mm-hmm. Paronychia, what in the world is that? Yeah, I was going to say that next. That's mm-hmm. a uh, infection of the uh, area around the fingernail or toenail. Okay. And it really works well as a mosquito repellent. Mm-hmm. Uh, DEET, which is a good re- repellent, is very toxic. But uh, thyme is not toxic, and it's a good re- mosquito repellent. Hmm. Okay. Well, that's good. I, I, I have to think all of a sudden about this lady who walked into the store. Her name is Diana, and she said that she had created with a multiple combination of different oils like myrrh and thyme, and mm-hmm. there's some other ones that she used. Uh, she made her own mosquito repellent, and she used it primarily on horses and other animals, but also on herself. And yeah. Amazing. And so she brings it out now. Mm-hmm. It's called Dianimals. <laughs> Diana and for animals, Dianimals, and uh, and I tell you what, folks, uh, the results we've had. I mean, the bottles are uh, like a twelve ounce or sixteen ounce bottle, a spray, but it sells for nineteen ninety five. But it is because of all the beautiful pure oils that she's using. She is really working with specific oils, and uh, the feedback that we're getting, indeed, people say it's absolutely fantastic. It mm-hmm. just does not the the, the the animals or the people themselves. It works great. So some people are a little shocked with the price, but it, you got 12 ounces, 16 ounces, so it is quite a bit. 
last a while. Well, it's uh, important to have a non-toxic product, and it's also important to uh, not get something like uh, West Nile virus. Mm. And this lady, by the way, lives in Gallatin Gateway, so yeah. she lives, uh, she's very local. Uh-huh. Another mm-hmm. really interesting uh, herb that's come up is uh, cat's claw from okay. South America. Yeah, yeah. It's been widely studied both in uh, South America and in uh, Europe since the 1970s. And uh, it's currently under study at uh, actually Montana State University as a, uh, and they found that it's a good substance for increasing general immunity. Uh huh. So it's actually a good immune improver or booster. But it's been found to be beneficial in treatment of uh, allergies, herpes, disorders of the stomach and intestines. Mm -hmm. It sounds a little bit like one of those... uh, magic drugs but it's also useful for arthritis yes arthritis that's right diabetes autoimmune diseases Mm -hmm. and and cancer oh wow so it's uh, really increased in popularity because it is such a broad spectrum health improver yeah and it's well researched well researched yeah yeah a lot of yeah i i was aware there was a lot of research papers made on cat's claw Another thing that people can think about for the colds and flus is garlic. Mm-hmm. Which is uh, so good for everything. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, garlic, uh, I recently went to a conference, and one of the presentations was on uh, antimicrobials, natural anti-infectives uh, that work. And uh, the ones he talked about were licorice root, oregano oil, thyme, garlic, and tea tree. Uh-huh. But garlic is really good antiviral you just uh, chop it up and uh, put it on your food or take it straight if you like to chew garlic some of some people do yeah and it uh, will really help get rid of the viruses mm-hmm. another good thing <clears throat> that garlic's uh, great for is uh, helicobacter pylori mm. now that's a bacteria that grows in the stomach and can cause ulcers and uh is much more common in people with low stomach acid. Okay. And, and we talked earlier about asthma. Right, we talked about asthma. Asthma as being could be a possible cause by possibly caused by low stomach acid. Yeah, it's uh, aggravated by low stomach acid but because the people don't digest their food well, uh-huh. puts a greater load on the immune system and the asthma's worse. Jeez, yeah. Mm-mm. And so H pylori is another one that uh, garlic can help eliminate. Mhm. And also the uh, Campylobacter infections that occurs in undercooked uh, chicken. Mm-hmm. It's uh, good for that. Okay. They tested that against uh, a bunch of uh, kids got Campylobacter and they treated them with garlic. That wasn't in this country, but it was <laughs> at least studied and uh, it got rid of the infection effectively. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was really useful information. Tea tree oil is in a little different class because it uh, probably shouldn't be taken internally. It's uh, fairly toxic when it's ingested. But topically, it has been effective against uh, candida infections, uh, scabies and ticks, uh, 
superficial infections with Staphylococcus and uh, herpes infections, both type 1 and type 2. So, tea tree oil. Now, I, I have heard about people who put a few drops in water and drink it. I have heard of that, too. And you don't, you don't think that's a good idea? Well, uh, I've talked to some Australians, and they say that it's fairly common that down there to use it internally. Okay. Uh, in this country, I haven't run into it being recommended, but uh, if you take very small amounts, you probably won't run into a problem. Okay. But... Another problem we run into is uh, otitis media in children, and it's usually treated with antibiotics, and kids can go back time after time for treatment for their ear infections. Yes. And it's pretty worrisome because eventually they either get tubes or they get uh, resistant to the antibiotics. So one of the best things to prevent that is... Uh, some of the other things we've suggested. But, time? But, time uh, extract? Time extract and uh, olive leaf extract, but okay. uh, arabinoglactan from the larch tree, larch tree extract. It uh, really helps these kids get over uh, otitis media more quickly, and uh, it has a slightly sweet flavor, so the kids like it. Mm-hmm. So the larch tree extract, what was the name you gave that? Arabinogalactan is actually the uh, substance that's mm -hmm. extracted. Arabinogalactan. Mm -hmm. Caller, good morning to you. Your name and how can we help you? Yes, uh, Joe, this is Susie. I have a couple of uh, pretty odd questions here that's uh, quite for your right. doctor. Yeah. Uh, he was talking about how this woman put, uh, you know, things for, you know, repellent for mosquitoes and stuff like that on her animals. Yeah. Has he seen any uh, cream? Or anything like that for cattle and horses it is a good painkiller that you can put it like on the shoulders and between the shoulder blades. Boy, that's a good question. Because I know they've got a cortisone cream. Mm -hmm. uh, you talk about adults now or about animals? About uh, cattle and horses. Because okay. I've got a couple animals. I've got them on uh, Butte and Banamine. And, uh, you know, those start having a negative impact on the stomach. But these animals both have um, arthritis. Well, one thing that uh, can help animal arthritis, I know it helps dogs, is uh, to put vitamin C in their water. Well, see, they're very picky. Uh, if I could do this orally, I'd do it. So they won't uh, no. drink anything? No, and they're older, and I'm not going to change them. They're mm. just, so I have to get something I can put on the skin, is what. And you were talking about uh, some type of oil for infections, too? Well, that was uh, oregano oil. Have they tried that on animals at all? Do you know? Well, they've put it in their feed to uh, treat, in, you know, infections uh, internally. Oh, they've they've tried it on cattle or horses. Yeah. How did it do? Well, they uh, didn't have to use any antibiotics on them. Really? Because the one the one cow has a walled off abscess, so I had to keep doctoring her uh -huh. with some pretty heavy duty antibiotics. You know, and after a while, they just don't work. Uh -huh. Could I rub this uh, this type of oil on her shoulder blades or in between her shoulder blades? Because you said you could rub it on people. Would that would that work? Do you think? Or should could I try it? Well, you could try the oregano oil and the thyme oil. And and, and that would be good for the walled off abscess. Well, they're both they would both be absorbed through the uh, skin or the hide. 
Mm-hmm. And they could work against the bacteria, yes. Have you, have you, have you Susie, have you, uh, you're talking about arthritis here, right? Well, I've got two things going right. on with the one with the one cow. She's seventeen, and the horse is thirty. Uh-huh. So they've both got uh, they've both got issues. Yes. Uh, but the cow is really hard to doctor, you know, other than giving her a shot. She's now, have hard. you? Have so you... I need something that I can put right on her. You know. Uh, absorb into her skin to help her. Now, one of the best things that absorbs in the skin is a product called DMSO. Have you heard about DMSO? Well, I've actually got some of that. It's, Have you I've used got it? some of that gel. I've, I've used it uh, when I uh, uh, do wounds, abscesses to help draw that those kinds of things out. Well, not only for that, but it has been used quite a bit by farmers uh, for animals that have arthritic symptoms. Really, and they just yes. put it over the, the area that put it having. over the area exactly, and uh, yeah. and the thing is that uh, besides the fact that it is good for inflammatory problems such as that, it is also a great carrier into the skin. So if you were to put, for but example, DMSO on first, and, and then, then put, put the a few drops oils. of the oils, put it on top of that, uh, the absorbability will actually be increased. Well, I, would, right. I would actually mix the oils with the DMSO. Mix them with the and DMSO? And then just rub it right. Yeah. Now, uh, Jovis, do you have those two types of oil? Yes. Well, actually, I'm going to have to check because I, I do have the wild uh, oregano. Mm-hmm. Um, In an oil. In an oil, in a liquid, uh, yeah. There is a, one is an oil, and they actually could be in an alcohol base, but um, the uh, no, actually the oil of oregano, so the oils, yeah. and uh, one they're both wild crafted. One is with, one is without alcohol, so you could try that. Um, the the only problem is Susie, the the what I have are just one ounce bottles, and so that would go very fast in your case. And uh, it's not the cheapest product. Uh, oh, is it pretty th- expensive? Yeah, the uh, one company uh, sells the the alcoholic one for I think for one ounce for about twenty three bucks. Ouch! And that's like that would be like a one day treatment for a cow. Uh, yeah, it? exactly. If it is a large area. Now the other thing that you can look into is something called Boswellia. Mm-hmm. Boswellia is a is a great anti inflammatory. I don't know if Dr. Dan. Can agree with that? Some well, of that it is, yes. Is that a rub-on also? You, no. You, you can. Can you? There is a Boswellia cream, but huh. uh, you know that is. Uh, but I don't know. I would have to take a look at some of the ingredients and okay. see if uh, that is something you can do, or you can take. I mean, if there is many other ingredients with it. The other thing, Susie, is that you could take then a capsule of Boswellia and turmeric, which is also an anti-inflammatory. Mix that again on. in with the DMSO, DMSO and then put it on. Okay, I'll, I'll try that. It is a thought. Well, Dr. Dan has something. Well, I've, I've got a thought. I don't think you're going to have to use a whole bottle of the uh, oregano oil per treatment. No. I mean, you know, a couple of dropper fulls. If Perfect. it comes with a dropper full. It's about yes. a thousand pound cow. Yeah. And just do it every day, once a day? Right. Okay. I would start with that. A dropper full of each oil and the, put it in the DMSO. It'll be absorbed really well. Well, you never know. I'm, I might uncover something here. Yes. That's right. Uh, if I can help her, I'm, I'm going to uh, do it. She's 17 this year. Sure. So, well, thank you so much for yeah. your help. Does okay. that answer your question? She's yet yet a few questions. Well, I know we're coming close to running out of time, yeah, but if and, you have a I'll, quick one. I'll come down and get that stuff, and then I'll let you know if it works. Well, thanks, Susie. All right, thanks. Bye. All right, you betcha. Bye-bye. Right, I, would, uh, I would try the DMSO for the arthritis, though. Yeah, for the arthritis. Yeah, but even for um, so you wouldn't use it for the for the abscess. 
Well, yes, we're going to use it for the abscess with the uh, anti-infective oils. Yeah. Correct, right. To, and the DMSO by itself may by be itself just for with, the arthritis. Okay, good point. Yeah. Or, and and if necessary, we could try the boswellin and turmeric with the uh, with the oil, with the DMSO for the arthritis. I'd have it carry those in too. Yeah, so we could use DMSO with the anti-inflammatory herbs mm. for the arthritis. We can use that with the oil of oregano and the thyme oil for the uh, abscess. Right. All right. Well, we solved all the problems, we hope. Dr. Dan Carter, it is always a pleasure to have you in the studio with us. Uh, your wealth of information and your wisdom is always very much appreciated. I wish you all the best, and we hope to see you again. And I always love being here. Well, thank you. Folks, uh, we're going to take a break for just a week, and uh, so make sure you tune in again next week, Sunday, at 7 o'clock. Uh, for another edition of Gesundheit with Jacobus. Have a good week. Gesundheit to you all and talk to you then.